0: this is the inflection ai podcast and i'm james newen when organizations think about ai today they think about what they see in the media whether it's in terms of machine vision whether it's in terms of self-driving cars completely automated smart cities But the reality is when you're thinking about an AI strategy, what is very important is the operationalization of that strategy, which really means, okay, if you have innovation, you have technology, that means nothing if you can't implement it in your company. So in this episode, our guest is Sunil Kumar Ramakrishnan, and he heads up AI consulting globally at IBM across mining, oil, and gas. And... Because of IBM's cloud and Gravitas in the space, one of the biggest technology consulting companies in the entire world, we're going to get a really practical behind the curtain look at how a consultancy of that size looks at operationalizing and implementing AI for their clients, some of the biggest clients in the world. So what Sunil will talk to us about is the four stages that he takes his clients through when thinking about an AI strategy. Everything from data preparation, making sure you're collecting the right data, all the way through to how do you change your industry using insights that you can gain from that data. So this is a conversation that is packed full of insights that are relevant beyond just the mining, oil and gas industry, but it's really for any corporation that wants to maximize their ROI on AI. So without further ado, this is Sunil Kumar Ramakrishnan from IBM. Beforehand we were speaking about the idea of how you're actually improving efficiencies with AI. How are you going about doing that for businesses right now?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point actually. So I think uh, the background here is I actually come from a more business background. So I come from a management consulting background and and what view we take is we look at what customers need to be doing. So I think we don't take technology and just apply it to a client's business, but look at a particular client's business and figure out where does that business stand in the industry they operate? Where does the, let's say, CEO or the board wants that company to go? And then based on that, chalk up a strategy of we call it as a roadmap of how do I enable this company either possibly defend market share in their existing business, or come up with new propositions to pretty much be that disruptor in that industry. So I think that is uh, the first level of strategic discussion we have with these clients. And what it does, it does two things, right? It clarifies what the intent of the particular client is in terms of vision and strategy. And second is then looks at technologies like AI and blockchain and IoT and so on and so forth to see how these technologies can be used to help these C-level executives actually convert their strategy into tangible business results.
0: Sunil then introduces this concept of augmented intelligence. Now, this is a term that's used as an alternative to artificial intelligence by IBM and their consultants. And the reason is because AI doesn't mean supplanting an organization or automating an entire workforce out completely. AI is all about how do we introduce technology to improve the processes of that organization right now? So you talked about augmented intelligence as uh, a different way of phrasing AI and a way to actually supplement their current workforce. But what's the biggest misconception that you've seen from the sorts of C-levels that you've spoken with?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Jim. So I think I think the misconceptions have evolved as well, right? So if you were to ask me the same question maybe four years back, mm-hmm. I would have said the misconception of senior leaders was thinking AI is not possible, AI is not real, the technology is very immature. So that was uh, mainly the, uh, uh, the the thought process that most of the senior leaders had. And to some extent, they were true as well, because uh, many of the engagements around AI that happened four years back uh, over promised a lot of things. Uh, there were, there were uh, thought process involved that we suddenly can do things which typically as human beings, we can't solve. And we suddenly started looking at AI to solve those problems. So I think Uh, there were a lot of misconceptions that ai is not real ai cannot uh, do anything and it's all uh, marketing buzz so that was a misconception let's say four years back so i think now clients have evolved and i think maybe to some extent they have learned it the hard and difficult way that ai needs to actually be the second part the first part should be what is the company trying to achieve and then look at practically which of those things can be done with existing technologies and then do something we call as a proof of concepts to actually figure out whether the technologies that exist at the moment with the current maturity will be able to solve those problems or not. So I think from having moved in that type of a journey, the current misconception now is uh, AI can be used only for doing very, very simple tasks. So to a large extent, we see some of the senior executives have large AI budgets but they end up using that for simple automation.
0: So under the umbrella of AI, there's an arm called intelligent automation. And this is where technology is being used to mimic low output, repetitive tasks of humans. Think document classification, email classification, data entry. All these sorts of tasks can and should be automated using a machine. But where this goes further than any sort of automation that's existed previously, is because AI now integrates a level of cognitive capabilities. That means that the AI is able to make decisions based on some level of learning and intelligence you can read documents and actually read the paragraphs you can look at pdfs and read handwriting It can actually look at a screen and start to make sense of the different mouse movements of the actual human doing it that's why we call it intelligent automation and it's really only scratching
1: the surface of what
0: ai's capabilities are moving forwards
1: and they figure out and think that yeah, this automation that we did is part of that AI budget and we are now doing some big AI programs, which I think is very interesting, but uh, I would say it's really a, a misconception that AI is just about automation and uh, and nothing beyond at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point to unpack actually. So AI and automation, automation potentially comes under the umbrella of AI, but what's the other areas that you're seeing have a real material impact right now outside automation?
1: Yeah, so I think automation, as you rightly said, is the first step, right? So there's a lot of value in auto betting stuff. And I think the clients understand that we understand that. And I think that's something surely we help a lot of clients. But I think what I think is making better value for these clients is actually once they have actually moved all this data, identified all this data, uh, moved that into a, a digital platform, which does help them automate, there's a lot of things now you can do with this data. There are You can actually run algorithms on top of this data. You can actually come up with what type of correlations can be existing based on looking at this data. So that's the, the second level, where you actually convert a lot of this automation and data to something we call as understanding what the d- data is. And the second level is once you have understood what the data is, make that data learn. So for example, We are working with some of the clients where they're using machine learning.
0: Machine learning gets thrown around a lot. It's a term that often actually gets misused in place of artificial intelligence. But what you need to know is it's the process of making sense from data. So when there are data sets or pools of data points, we can actually train technology to look for patterns and draw out insights that we wouldn't otherwise be able to see as humans.
1: To actually, with that data, look at historic events that have happened, look at recent events that happen, and that algorithm then learns what actually can be the solution for, for a particular problem. And And we have something we call as uh, data that has learned and become AI. And that actually has a detail of what was the algorithm behind the data. So I think, The evolution is moving from automation to some sort of a intelligent analytics to some extent you can call it as and we call it as augmented intelligence where the machine learning algorithms come up with insights and gives you recommendations and there's an element of you can actually drill down on that recommendation and see what data that recommendation has used why that algorithm has actually recommended so i think that is really really important because we don't want ai to be a black box of telling you either a yes or a no but we want it to actually help you in your decision making by saying we think 70 percent probability the answer is yes and if you actually drill down this is why we think it's yes and they actually can drill down and see what is the basis of that uh, uh, insight that the AI has provided, which I think is very, very powerful.
0: Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So would I be correct in summarizing it in terms of the steps? Number one, being able to collect the right data. Number two, being able to automate that in putting it into an infrastructure where it's being able to be accessed. And then afterwards, actually being able to apply machine learning to make sense of that. And then finally to look at a recommendation, would that be an apt uh, summary of the, the steps businesses need to take in terms of implementing AI?
1: Exactly. So those are the four practical steps that we are working with clients to enable that, but you will actually hear maybe 10 steps, seven steps and so on, which are more advanced, which may be a lot theoretical as well, but these are potentially the four practical steps that we take with most of clients. Yes.
0: So what would you say is the baseline prerequisite for a business to be able to implement AI and and really get a material whether it's an ROI or get a re- material return from it?
1: Yeah, so this is a question almost every client asks us when we meet up, right? So I think the problem with AI, it's very wide, it's very deep. And um, and for some of the large organizations we work for, they actually have come up with some 100 plus use cases on where AI can help. But I think what we actually do is look at where that particular company is and come up with something we call as a, a 4 by 4 matrix in terms of what type of use cases could give the maximum value using these type of new technologies like ai and then recommend something we call as a a discovery exercise where we then detail out what are the benefits that they could actually get in this specific use case using ai what are the costs involved in implementing it and and as you rightly said then come out with this return on investment type of a framework to then educate their board in terms of What is the benefit of actually, first of all, implementing these type of technologies and what is the realistic costs that are going to be involved and how does that journey look like? So for example, some of the uh, AI work we have done for clients has not been a a few months project. These are things that take sometimes years to complete. Uh, But I I think the intent there is break into small pieces or iterations so that the client sees some sort of value coming every 6 weeks 8 weeks uh, but they're still aware of the larger strategic value that may come out at the end of one year or two a year so i think that that's a key there I,
0: I totally agree so managing those expectations from expecting an roi in you know 3 months from actually implementing ai to actually understanding it is it is part of a longer term strategy it is something that goes on for six months, for 12 months, for 18 months. And there's different stages as you continue along that path. I think that's a really important point that you've nailed down to Neil for our listeners to really take on board as well. So in this next section, Sunil going to talk about a case study from one of his mining clients, and he speaks about it at a very high level. So you don't need any domain expertise necessarily to follow it along. But what you're going to see is how a business problem, which previously just seems like a business problem or an inefficiency, can be solved using artificial intelligence. But there's one specific technology Sunil mentioned called natural language processing or short to NLP. And for a little bit of context, so you can follow it along, what that refers to is the technology used to understand human language. So reading a document or a paragraph and actually comprehending it and making sense of what's being written in the same way that a human would. That's what NLP does.
1: So what I'll do, I'll talk about a large oil and gas company. right? So so this particular large oil and gas company and just looking at one specific asset. So this is like a particular offshore field that actually let's say extracts oil and uh, as you rightly know once you extract that oil it actually is refined and then once it's refined you can actually fill it as gasoline or diesel in your cars and so on so that's that's a a high level business view right so this particular company is a large upstream oil and gas company which actually does this extraction of oil and if you think about a, a big oil Platform that exists offshore some of them cost hundreds of millions of dollars to operate and and if you think about it these type of uh, platforms have a lot of manual physical documents And there are like thousands of documents that exist for Operating every single piece of equipment in that particular uh, uh, Platform and and that platform may have thousands if not ten thousands of different equipment so imagine the number of uh, let's say user manuals that has to be updated and uh, and if something goes wrong the amount of time it takes to find out where that specific user manual is search for where a specific solution to that problem exists in that user manual and then going back and trying to fix it could take Days, is if not weeks to be very, very open with you. And the end of all is there's a lot of experience needed to first of all understand where that specific issue can be resolved, uh, which means most of these employees have been working in that platform for 20 years, 30 years, and some even for 40 years. So these are some of the two or three things that you can look right. So most of these things are very, very manual intensive, very, very time consuming. And the third is depending on uh, a lot of skill of these employees. And if you think about the way uh, uh, the industry is moving, there is going to be a big skill shortage because most of these people who have been working on these platforms for 30 years, 40 years may retire, may not be continuing in that same place. So, how do you now educate or really enable a new engineer coming to a platform to exactly be able to solve problems which? typically may take months if there's no one to actually guide them and tell them how to do things. So what we are doing in this specific example is doing three things. One is, as you rightly spoke about, it's all about automation uh, using AI. And what it does is reduces the amount of time and effort needed for searching for information across millions of pages of the document.
0: Got it. So can even even just at that point, Sunil, can you unpack how that actually works for, for the listeners? How does the AI process all of that information and allow that automation to occur?
1: Sure. So there are multiple technologies out there. I'm not going to recommend a specific technology, but in this instance, we used normal natural language programming type of a scenario where we actually uh, created some, something we call as entity relationship models, specifically for that industry and using that entity relationship context, fed that particular AI platform with hundreds of th- thousands of documents and made that AI system understand what these document means and then developed machine learning based algorithms to actually figure out if a specific question comes, what is a typical answer? And then we would do something we call as user feedback of check whether the responses coming from the ai make sense or not and that ai then keeps learning based on the feedback so it it may sound a bit not necessarily cutting edge but that's something we did practically for this client Uh, but having said that there could be far more intelligent far more advanced technologies out there Uh, but it all depends whether specific technology is mature enough for that specific client or not or you have enough faith in that specific technology or not. But in this occasion, it was very, very, um, not necessarily the most cutting edge technology, but technology that could actually feed in all that data and based on the entity relationship that we defined, come up with a contextual learning of what specific sentences meant. And then it was Mm -hmm. more really something we call as using agile type of iterative development where we would actually put in specific queries to the AI and see what the responses were. And uh, and we do something called fail fast, by which as soon as something fails, try to fix it and, and make the AI learn. So it is a mix of machine learning, it is a mix of user going through the results and, and providing feedback and so on.
0: Got it. So to walk that through the the four stages before, so in terms of the actual data, would we be correct in, in saying that the data in this scenario was the actual manuals? And so having a lot of manuals uh, gave the, the machine learning model a lot of data to actually learn from. And then from there, it was able to understand that, be supervised or trained by a, a team. Um, and then from there, being able to Infer accurate recommendations or improve that accuracy over time. Is that uh, an accurate summation of of the process for that client?
1: Exactly. So that is accurate, simplistic uh, process for that client. and uh, and there was a lot of uh, uh, something we call as daily maintenance logs as well. So on a day to day basis, those operators maintain logs. So so it's a mix of surely user. Uh, manuals plus some of those maintenance logs and some of those service logs and so on so yeah so it's all of that with the uh, mix of machine learning and user interface and so on
0: so in terms of the timeline for that for that client from the time that they first identified the problem to when they were able to get uh, materially valuable recommendations from the model what sort of time scale was was that on
1: yeah so that's interesting right so so many of these large clients have a lot of data, have a lot of uh, uh, user manuals and maintenance logs. So these runs run into tens of thousands of documents, right? So just going from that first phase of getting all that data itself takes a few months to be very very open with you, mm-hmm. and, and and that's because of a mix of three things. One is not everyone even understands where all that data exists in their same in their own organization, and second is even that governance process. Uh, of getting the data right so so though we simplistically talk about it as one upstream company within that company they have so many departments and and Mm -hmm. between departments they don't even necessarily talk to each other so there's a lot of element on actually aligning the governance itself which which takes time so it's a mix of first of all identifying where the data exists second of all is developing that governance process of where these departments can work with each other to actually move it as a process phase type of AI, takes time and effort. And that's where when we spoke about the initial story of uh, getting that top management vision, the top management buying is very, very important to ensure that the top management is actually uh, uh, communicating with the middle management and the uh, lower management to make them aware of them needing to work together, as well as the lower management seeing value that mm. once this AI is implemented, it's going to actually make their life easier as well. So it's really the top down as well as the bottom up.
0: Is it realistic even for the lower management, Sanil, to expect an ROI once the model actually starts recommending, um, making recommendations?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, right? So I think we always talk about high-level ROI for the board and so on, and which which you are right, we have to do that. But I think most of the big AI projects fail is because the people who are actually going to do the job may not necessarily see the value. They may mm-hmm. think that all this AI projects is going to take away a lot of my time and finally nothing is going to go come out. So I think, I think that's where we actually work with this people who are in the ground to make them aware that this AI is going to reduce the time that they may take for searching information. And second of all is actually give them more interesting tools to play with. And I think that is... Really one of the secret sauce where most of these AI engagements succeed versus many of the engagements that fail in spite of having very, very senior level executive buy-in and so on.
0: So Neil's talking about a really good point here. He's talking about why it's so important to get buy-in across the board to implement AI. It's not just about the top senior executives who see AI as part of the vision of the organization. It's understanding that when you want to operationalize this technology and implement it, you have to have the cooperation of the people on the ground, the people who are working with the data scientists, the people who are working with the AI consultants. If they don't respect or if they don't subscribe to the reasons for which you're actually implementing AI, there's going to be challenges. And as Sunil's about to describe, managing these expectations for an AI strategy is really important to do from the very, very start so even when the the lower management or from the from the ground up as you were saying before when there is pushback when there is a level of blockage or hesitation to actually um, endorse this AI or actually um, support the implementation of AI how does that manifest in the company is that they they don't cooperate with your team when they're trying to gather data. Is it that they don't implement the AI once the model is actually making recommendations? How is this hesitation actually manifest itself
1: in the corporation? So I think to a large extent the hesitation comes upfront itself. So so most of the hesitation comes when you're actually looking at implementing this AI because that's where the maximum help and support of the users, the people who are on the ground is important, right? So unless you train the AI with people who are knowledgeable, people who are currently doing the job, your AI may not always succeed. So I I know there are a lot of other type of platforms that think that we can actually implement AI without the help of people who are actually doing the job, but I think that's not something I'm aware of. But the type of AI we work on, is where we actually need support and complete buy-in of the people who are actually in the ground. And and I think the biggest obstacle we find is during the implementation itself, where if the people who are actually on the ground don't really believe in that AI and believe that AI will actually make their jobs easier and faster, uh, that's where we actually get into a lot of trouble.
0: Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So ultimately, AI is not a conversation just to have with top level management. The education of AI, um, what we were talking about before in terms of being able to democratize access and democratize knowledge of AI, really has to happen company wide. Would, would that be? Would I be correct in in making that statement, Sunil?
1: Yeah, you're right. It should happen company wide, but you may then have to break it into small pieces to begin with. And then look at the areas that actually are in the biggest pain to some extent, and then target that as a way to start that. And when, once we successfully implement AI in a specific area that has got a lot of pain, maybe it's got a lot of manual effort, it's got a lot of cost, it's got a a, a PNL that's losing money, if we can actually succeed in that area, that does two things, right? One is surely yes, solves the problem in that specific area, but then becomes an internal champion which can be portrayed to other parts of the business to showcase that we could turn around this business using ai and it not only provided financial results it actually even gave a lot of uh, results from uh, improving employee morale improving employee engagement and so on which then becomes something that can be used as a catalyst for adopting it in other areas.
0: That's really interesting. So the, the proof of concept that you mentioned before, that's not only to get the buy-in from executives in terms of the bottom line. The Proof of concept potentially also has a really strong moral uh, impact and moral
1: value add from, from what you're saying. Exactly. So So you're right, right? So most of the proof of concepts, though they're initiated by the top management, if you actually look at it, the success of moving towards the implementation doesn't necessarily then lie with that senior management. That's where we actually have to ensure that we get a lot of buy-in of the results on that of that proof of concepts from the people on the ground where they actually believe, yes, that proof of concept did provide them insights which they did not necessarily have before or would have taken them a lot of time and effort to actually come out with.
0: Got it, got it. Before we wrap up this conversation, I'd love to ask you just three lightning round questions specific to the AI space. Sure. Awesome. So the first one is, what is the biggest impact of AI in the real world right now?
1: I think from my point of view, I'm sure everyone may have a different opinion, but from my point of view, I think the biggest impact of AI is helping businesses de-risk from aging workforce. So, so a lot of the large organizations I work with have workforce that's aging and and there's a big business risk for these large successful companies and what happens when these extremely knowledgeable experienced workforce retire what what's going to happen how is the new person joining the company going to be as intelligent or as knowledgeable on operating these very complex systems very complex complex infrastructure so i think that's the first thing Mm. Uh, which I think is important and AI enables. Mm. And that's where most of these companies uh, want to talk to us on. The second important thing is the type of people Mm. now joining the workforce is completely different. We actually see a lot of millennials joining in. So even in my organization, right? so if Mm. if you come to my office, 80% of the people around in my office are, are millennials. They have completed their graduation or education in the last one year to two years to three years. So how do I now attract these millennials who want to do more challenging things, interesting things, and and can't wait for things? They want information on their tips, real time, with almost zero friction. How do I attract these type of uh, uh, employees? How do I retain them? How do I motivate them? And that's where, again, AI, with the element of making things easy for them, automating stuff, becomes very, very important. And the third element is the amount of data that exists is phenomenal. And I think for many of these businesses to compete and succeed is how do I take advantage of this data and do things before my competitor does becomes very, very important. Because if you do a particular deal or a transaction or even a trade before the other competitor is aware of that opportunity, you have suddenly actually encashed a significant uh, value. So I think that's the third element of being able to use the big data and come up with insights quicker than anyone else is is very, very important.
0: The second is what area of AI do you think will grow the most in the next 24 months?
1: Yeah, so this is interesting, right? So if you would have told me one year back, I think the answer would have been different. But I think right now, I see two levels of AI happening. One is AI, as we call as traditional AI on the cloud. And that's something I think will continue to grow because there's a lot of value on running AI in uh, clouds that are scalable and can do very, very fast and uh, high volume transactions. But the second interesting bit around AI is what we call as AI on the edge is happening, because uh, what is happening is as our cars get smarter, as our uh, aeroplanes get smarter, as Uh, a particular remote environment gets smarter, they want AI to be actually running specific data algorithms very close to them than having to send that information thousands of miles away, calculating it and bringing it back, which is not possible because of uh, the time it takes for the data to go and come back. And second is some of those locations may not have access to external uh, uh uh systems to actually go out to the cloud so i think ai on the edge is possibly the second big thing that's going to happen is is what my view around uh, ai emergence and happening is yeah
0: that's r- really interesting um okay so the last question is what would you say to a business that's looking to implement ai for the very first time
1: so i think for businesses looking at implementing ai for the first time i think it may be useful to actually uh, figure out what their strategy is which i'm sure most of them know about and how can actually enable these new technologies to actually achieve my strategy i think that is something uh, i think every business leader should think about and then do practical uh, discussions with their partners on uh, making them show that how using ai those benefits that claimed can be achieved. I think this is very interesting and important before you embark on a further AI journey with these partners.
0: At Inflection AI, we are obsessed with artificial intelligence. We're a big proponent of this technology changing the world. And that seems hyperbolic, but the reality is industries are going to change because of AI. Organizations within those industries are going to change because of AI. And if you're not a part of that change, you're going to be the ones feeling the effects of the change. So that's just how disruption works. And where we're at right now is we are at a turning point in history. Technology will change forever. And you want to make sure that you're equipped to understand how to, number one, leverage that, but also how to stay ahead of the game. So if you want to understand how to make the best of AI in your organization, reach out to us at inflection.ai. That's inflection with an X. INFLEXION.AI and one of our consultants will have a conversation with you about what it means to implement an AI strategy for you and what's the best ways you can actually leverage this technology moving forward. So this podcast is really only just the start. We have some of the biggest names from the biggest companies all around the world. Your Googles, your Facebooks, your Microsofts, your United Nations and we're really committed here to bringing you the absolute best mind in artificial intelligence. So, you can learn about what this technology is doing moving forward. So, reach out to us at inflection.ai. But in the meantime, I'm James Newen, and this is the Inflection AI Podcast.